It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Let's start the show indeed, and welcome back to part two of the Silverstone Grand Prix recap. We had a a long intermission in between the two parts, but for good reason. Um, I basically bullied my pal uh, and friend into uh, being on the podcast because he was the lucky son of a bitch who actually was at, let's just say the truth, the best race of the season so far. Um, Welcome, Jim. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. On. No, yeah, basically really having you is an understatement. I basically forced you into it. I remember you were like leaving for catch your plane. And I was like, hey, do you mind maybe being on the podcast? And you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I basically recorded a podcast saying that you were going to do it. So thank you for not making me a liar and, and, and doing this. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, but uh, so let's just jump right in. What was was that your first Grand Prix? First Grand Prix experience, yeah. And well, that I, sucks. It, well, yeah. <laughs> how, are you gonna, how are you going to come back from that? Are you going to compare everyone to that yeah, race? Yeah, me and my two friends that I went with talk, spoke about that. We're like, wow, this is going to be a hard one to top. It's, it, the energy level is so high generally throughout the weekend that it, it just we were also talking about, man, any Formula One race after this is going to be hard to watch. <laughs> so I have, I have lots of questions, and we'll just kind of go through it. I mean, we've, we, we had part one where me and Dad talked about um, you know, just basically the overview of the race, but I feel like there's probably so much that we don't, that doesn't really come across on the TV that like being at the race does. But like you said, one of the things that I think came across immensely and must have just been absolutely even more of a thing was the, the environment that you talked about. I had heard some commentators talk about it. Like it was like a rock concert. Yeah. Uh, well to set the scene a little bit, uh, I guess I didn't take into full consideration what regional settings do for mm. the environment that surrounds an F1 race. And what I mean by that is I, I didn't so much think about how much in the country Silverstone was. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and that sort of, I think, influenced uh, it from the start. It's Maybe, a ways away from any city then? or uh, I mean, we took a bus yeah. uh, and uh, a couple hours on bus. Okay. The train to Milton Keynes, which is the largest. Yeah. By, by the way, seeing Milton Keynes yeah. it, it just made it all the more funny. Isn't that, like f- more, over half the teams based in Milton Keynes? Uh, I believe so, but it just made it much more comical to me that they banished Yuki Sonoda to <laughs> Milton Keynes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wouldn't want to spend an extended period of time in Milton Keynes. Yeah. I think I think that was part of the reason of getting him into Italy too is that he was so miserable being up there and he's yeah. like I I remember watching Drive to Survive and he's like the food is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what what surprised us first was uh, we were just so excited to be going and we we had we, we did a little bit of a package deal so we could have inner track access oh, on nice. Saturday and Sunday. Um really so that we we had to worry about less. We were traveling traveling internationally. Yeah. And, and um so we got there, the, the entire perimeter set up the track almost had a little bit of a, a, a fair feel to it. Uh-huh. I mean, there was actually a Ferris wheel. And, um, and and then food vendors and all sorts of activities, simulators set up all around. And as soon as you get there, it was just sort of a high energy environment. And then like, to your point about a rock concert, and then before we talk about the actual, like the race vibe was that... They actually had concerts. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. I, like, we went to a concert with 40,000 people at it, Yeah, which I wasn't expecting. I, that's fairly common from what I understand. I know like Austin does it. And a lot of the newer tracks, I know Silverstone isn't a newer track, but a lot of the newer tracks are like built purposely for that because you also have to think like so much money goes into like building and maintaining a facility like that can support what, 400,000 people over a weekend that like you want to be able to use it for more than <laughs> more than racing. Um, yeah, I guess it makes sense logistically as well that you always want to have something to entertain the mass of people that are there, lest they grow restless. Yeah, <laughs> and and like in see like increasingly drunk or intoxicated yeah. in some way. <laughs> <laughs> and then the energy around the the race itself was from the start anti Max, which was phenomenal. Which I respect because. I mean, let's be, let, I mean, I guess if you're the world champion, you're the villain. I think for most, most things, 
Um, you know, it's why you hate the Yankees. It's why you hate whatever solve for X. But um, I think I think it also plays in the fact that like it's Lewis's home race, and so like if Max is Lewis's most rival, then it makes sense that like his home race is going to be very anti-Max. I mean, when we go to Zanvart, we're going to see a, the 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 hyper opposite of that, yeah. like the sea, the ar- orange army or whatever will be out in force. Do you suppose they'll have anti-Hamilton chants and songs though? Because much to yeah. much like soccer hooligans, they had anti-Max chants going anytime there was a mass of people. It was awesome. That's that is that's funny. But I mean, part of this part of it. I don't know. Maybe the Dutch are just nicer. We'll see. We'll have to. We'll have to see. That's pretty soon. I think I have to. We'll have to check when that is. Um, sweet. So was it the other thing that I've heard besides that? It's like a really energetic, really lively environment. It's like really cool, steeped in history. Is that the traffic is insane? Like it's the worst. Yeah. Well, we actually only experienced that on Monday. So we got there Friday morning, super early. We left Victoria Station from London, took a bus, six a.m. On a couple hours of sleep after closing down some pubs in London. Yeah. And then we got there before, we could have gotten there a day before. And traffic coming in was actually sort of bad. We had bought, um, I'm, I'm not usually one for glamping. Yeah. But, but uh, we were traveling internationally and we wanted to stay on site. Yeah. It was, it was the best option. And it was new this year. It's the first time they did it. And so we went up to several people when we got there. We sort of just got dropped off the bus in, in a parking lot. Yeah. Which they call... Uh, uh, they call they don't call them parking lots. They call, they call them something else. Car it's, parks. Yeah, car parks. Yeah. And, and uh, the directions just said like from the car park, you'll be able to take a buggy to. And there was no buggy anywhere. And they didn't yeah. say what car park. So we like lugged. We we were extent, staying for an extended time in Europe afterwards. We had suitcases. Yeah. And and so we walk. We asked three people. The third person finally says, "Well, information is over there, and someone will know." And. Uh, I showed up and uh, I said, explain the situation. They're like, oh yeah, well, uh, we normally have a buggy for you, but you don't. So she said, how many How many are you? I said, me and my two friends. She goes, well, I'll take you in my car. So we hop in this, oh, nice. uh, a, woman, a very nice woman who was working uh, for the race uh, and hopped into her, her BMW and she drove us. We immediately got stuck in traffic, but then she veered into some dirt road and she knew all like basically the side roads. So she just like whipped us around the back of the track for a while and brought us right to our, our site. But the traffic was horrendous. And while it didn't impact us so much there, we didn't plan as well for our exit on Monday morning mm. and uh, somehow made our way back and ran into that same lady and she directed us to walk to Silverstone Village where we could uh, catch a shuttle to Milton Keynes. But traffic was so bad that shuttles were all backed up and we couldn't get in touch with a taxi. Uh, and we were sitting on the corner for a while trying to figure out, trying to call a taxi. I actually had a travel guitar with me. I was sitting there playing my guitar in the middle of Silverstone village is a hamlet like yeah. from the middle ages. It looks like it's so old. It's so small. The FedEx driver pulled up next to me and, and inquired what I was playing. And then I talked to him for a while and he said, what are you guys doing on the side of the road? And uh, I said, we're trying to get to Milton Keynes, but we can't get a shuttle or a taxi. He said, well, I'll be done in 30 minutes. I'll come back. If you're still here, I'll bring you in the truck because I'm going to Milton Keynes. Yeah. It didn't come to that. I wish it had for the yeah, story that, potential, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we got a taxi in the meanwhile and it was all they spoke of was was how bad the traffic was to the degree that some people bought packages uh, at Airbnbs or nearby hotels that included shuttle rides, and the shuttles just never showed up. So Whoa. if you're ever going, and if anyone's listening and they're ever going, stay on site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can camp, right? I, I saw, I've seen it on TV. There's just fields and fields of tents. Yeah, and, um, and RVs. The RVs in Europe are much smaller than the RVs yeah, yeah. in the U.S., but uh, plenty of RVs as well. Nice. I mean, I feel like that would be like funner, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Because the the like the events of the day end, and you could go to sleep, but you, the energy is so high, and it's it's like a music festival. Yeah, well, there's that, and then there's like either like you said, you have to find a shuttle or something. Because like, let's be real, I'm having some beers if I'm at a race, or I'm you know I'm doing something at least. Um, but uh, so you stayed there from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and left out on Monday. Yeah, we got there Friday morning, and we hadn't necessarily anticipated going in, but we realized all the activities. And so we actually, on the European equivalent of StubHub, bought Friday day tickets oh, and, nice. and went in and just pretty much got the lay of the land, um, bounced around the merch tables, noticing they were only selling primarily Mercedes and McLaren yeah. merch and seemed like some last season merch too. Oh, we're trying really? to unload. 
Um, for not a discount, I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> for any, anything. I don't but. think we saw one piece of Haas merch yeah. <laughs> anywhere there. Um, and uh, we got the lay of the land and just you know, ate and drank all day. Nice. And um, and then um, and then the activities carried into night. There was a concert. We didn't. We had been traveling internationally and we're a little uh, behind on sleep. So we actually went to bed early Friday nice. night to get a good start for Saturday. Yeah. And so you saw you were at qualifying. Yeah. Um, so we were where we were located on the track, which actually you realize is an important question to ask someone when they go, because while most tracks have screens, it's yeah. nothing like watching it at home and you have yeah. a fairly limited perspective. So, we were on the inner greens, and uh, that put us around the second turn. Basically, when you come into the village and you take the first turn, you go around that hairpin yeah. into the first DRS zone, which yeah. is right where our grandstand access was. So, what was it? Quality started at maybe like three. We and we went over at like ten. Yeah, they start serving booze at eleven. Yeah, um, and the there was food options that came with our with our ticket that we were, had access to all day. And, um, and then we could go at our leisure up and down to the, uh, to the, the grandstand seats. And, uh, and which was great because the weather wasn't good on, yeah. on qualities. And we were a little, while we wanted to see the qualities from race, it started raining hard. Yeah. And we were one of the first, <laughs> we weren't prepared for the rain. Yeah. We were one of the first people to say, let's go. Cause in the tents behind the grandstand, there was plenty of TVs where you could watch the broadcast. So you could just get the whole spectrum. It started pouring. We made the quick decision just to go back down. And soon everyone else did as well. And we had already pulled up this small table right in front of the main TV. So then there was just a crowd of people behind us. And, uh, and it was fun watching it, even though we weren't like necessarily trackside uh, as we were before the rain started. It, it was still exciting to be right there with everyone watching the qualities. And we also had a little bit of action on the mid-tier team, so it was fun. Yeah, I mean, even um, even going to, like, F1 meetups and stuff and just, just – or even, like, coming over here, like, to, to your house and watching the race with you or fellow people that are – anybody's into the sport. Like, that that is really cool. Like, so I can't imagine, like, being even – because you can still hear it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like, so loud. It's loud throughout the day because also you don't realize there's – other F, other F, events. F, F2 and female uh, F1 going on. So, uh, and it also sounds like F2 cars backfire way more than mm. F1 F1 cars. Uh, it's loud all day. Yeah, and then they sometimes have like GT3 and MotoGP races as well. Yeah, um, that's cool. Uh, and then okay, let's let's get to what everybody wants. We want all want to talk about is the actual being there for for a like Joe's crash. Like what like, I, I bet you that the, the atmosphere, my guess is that the atmosphere at least is it's so much more intense and serious than like uh, watching it on TV, which it's already like pretty scary, but yeah, much like uh, you could imagine just the, the power and the speed of the cars is such that it just gets your heart rate up yeah. more than sitting on the couch. Yeah. And that makes its way it reverberates through the crowd. And then you combine that with a massive crash in the in the first turn and protesters running. There was a combination of confu- there was confusion when the when the race started. Yeah. So and for us there was a third factor too because we bet on Verstappen oh. to be leading after the first lap because he was starting oh, second. No. But, yeah. But Signs had pole, and I know that Leclerc. That I know that Signs isn't great off the start, but Verstappen is. So we we laid action on Verstappen. So we we saw coming out of the first turn that. Ver- off the start that Verstappen had taken the lead. So we were, we were super excited. And then all of a sudden the cars came very slowly around the corner because we couldn't actually see live the crash and they didn't show it initially on the screen. Yeah. They, they, that they stopped doing that after Jules's death. Yeah. But we saw, um, we saw Russell uh, spin out and then get out of his car. Uh, and then there was, I mean, we were in direct line of sight of the protesters, which I'm glad you brought it up because we totally, we were so excited when me and Dad recorded the first the first half of this podcast that we didn't even talk about that and bring it up that like that's I mean that was insane. I, you, we speculated as most people did that if Joe hadn't crashed, someone could have died Eat very easily. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm not sure that the reaction time or the line of sight 
could have gotten a yellow flag out. Well, because they were sitting, weren't they? Like they went and sat on the track, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. and so like I, from what I've heard from different, um, like the especially these years, this this year's car because of the new wheel height, and I mean most people don't realize that you're ostensibly laying down in that car. Like your knees are above your chest. What like it's like sitting in a recliner. So like your lower level visibility in the cars is is zero. They they're they say they're lucky to see the tops of their tires. And so I mean that's eighteen inches right there. So yeah. if someone's sitting low or laying or whatever, like and you're going hundred and seventy miles an hour, like Whoa, that's that's a scary, scary, scary thing. Yeah, <clears throat> and it definitely added to the confusion because then you had two things. What, well, was it this or was it that? In the meanwhile, I was trying furiously to pull up my F1 TV app to watch the replay, but yeah. ever, everyone with a 5G signal was trying to do the same, same thing. thing. So, um, And it was a long restart. I don't know how much of that was just due to Joe's crash because obviously he flipped over that barrier too. Um, I'm sure they had to check the fence. They had to check the barrier. They had to, and they also, you know, like, but Albon crashed was pretty hard as well. Yeah. It was weird, like, watching back the replays that, like, Albon's the one who ended up going to the hospital, and his crash looked the, the not as intense and then scary as Joe's you know, sliding upside down and flipping. Yeah. Um, you know what's peculiar about that, just from a race technical perspective, that I didn't understand necessarily at the time, too, is they, and I guess it's because they didn't finish the first lap. Everyone started the second lap from their original position. Yeah. Somehow we still, they still, the the, the punters or the bet makers still paid us out on our bet, though. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a, a an official timing line is what it is, is that, they, whenever there's a restart, there has to be an official order. So they have to either go through timing screens or like a detection zones or something. And because that, I think because Joe's crash was, was so bad that like it was such a, and the FIA and stewards have come under criticism, especially like when Norris crashed in Spa last year. And there's, there were some like really like kind of slow calls to pull reds or yellows or safety cars that I think that when they saw how bad um, the crash was that they just immediately um, red flagged it, but they, they hadn't gone through the timing screen. But yeah, that, that caught me out um, uh, because I had, I, was, I had to work that morning and so I was coming back to the recorded and so once I saw Joe was crashed, I kind of fast forwarded because I was like, I'm not going to sit through an hour of yeah, right. like them just speculating like and I can know but but then it was like they started lining up and I was like why is why is science in front again? We went I think like eventually during the interim we went and got a, a bottle of wine from, from from the vendor and snuck it back into the grandstand. So, oh nice. Yeah. Um and then once the race started again we like it, it, like it got ex- more exciting from that point forward. Obviously, yeah. especially because it was competitive. Mercedes was competitive for several weeks in a row, and yeah, and well, it was for us again. <laughs> there's a theme to this week, it, this or that weekend, and the action I keep speaking about. We actually bet signs outright to win the race. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, so the the drama. Oh, that I'm, hold on, we're getting we're getting interrupted by a phone call. All I right. wonder who this mm-hmm. could be. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Who's this? Oh, crikey. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Who's this? This is the spicy ketchup. The spicy ketchup himself. What a, this is so fun. We didn't think you were going to be able to join. So we started, uh, but I'm so glad you could dad. Welcome to the podcast. Jim's here with us. As you know, I'm so glad you could, could join a little bit late. This is, you know, really cutting edge live recording right here. I'm impressed with your technical skills just to splice them in there. That was good. Uh, Jim, we're, we were to catch you up as to what we've, we're, we're, we're just finished talking about the, the protesters and like experiencing that gnarly Joe crash live and in person. And, uh, uh-huh. uh, Jim was just telling us how that he, he 
they him and his buddies bet they put a bet on signs to win the race so yeah and we were we were convinced that ferrari would screw us out of our bet it looks in fact they kind of did just by screwing over leclerc rather than yes they tried they really tried to screw screw signs too i i just watched rewatched the race cap and there was that the second uh safety car science after our safety car start after Ocon's stalled car um where they're like okay we, they didn't pit Leclerc under the safety car so he has old tires and they're like okay give Leclerc 10 car spaces to like give him a breathing room and he's like don't ask me to do these things yeah yeah well I believe <laughs> yeah right what was he saying I have the speed I have yeah the speed. yeah but it's like he's like no 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 don't do this to me <laughs> Like, so, like, what was that, 150 races without getting a win is, like, the second most in the history of the sport. But, and I mean, I, I make no uh, no uh, disguise of the fact that I'm a huge, huge science fan. So I was, I was so stoked. But I was, the other thing after rewatching it to prepare for the, this recording was just how much action there was um, from, from the first lap to, on yeah i mean the the last 10 laps in particular in particular are probably some of the last the best laps the trading of places for second for second place with hamilton involved at the home crowd i can't i i mean you could hear it on the tv i couldn't not imagine what it must have been like to be there more or less everyone would just erupt and stand up cheering maniacally every, yeah. every time he, he did anything yeah but he's also but then like there, there was even the you know there was the part where he was battling with norris who's another brit like like it just must have just been insanity yeah i know we talked about hamilton a lot but there was definitely a lot of love for norris as well i mean he's a likable guy <laughs> oh i've come full circle on him he was yeah. like i've given him more credit for being i don't know 19 or whenever when he started and he's matured rapidly and, and I, I definitely am a fan now they also um i when i was rewatching that they they um crafty put out another stat that i didn't realize or maybe i did but it had gone away in my head but lewis hamilton's the only formula one driver in the history of the sport that's gotten a race win in every season he's competed in except for this one yet the latest coming in uh, the latest win he's ever gotten was in in round ten. So we'll see if he can hold yeah. on to that record. I don't. I mean, on their current form, uh, it's looking better. It's looking more realistic. Yeah, it's but looking better. I still think it's going to have to take uh, some sort of tomfoolery. Earth, yeah, crashing amongst. <laughs> uh, you know, what's the chances that both Red Bulls and both Ferraris exit the race? I think uh, for the chances for Ferrari are high. I mean, <laughs> they might not need to exit the race, though. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, for they don't even need to have, I mean, reliability or just stupid blunders from Ferrari. But, you know, Red Bull, as we learned from the from the Silverstone Grace, is like, like cars should be trying to sabotage that underfloor part that... <laughs> They gotta find a way to just be dropping something on the track that'll catch that. Yeah. What do you think, Pops? Do you think Hamilton will find a way to to to, to eke out a win? Well, I think I think so because uh, I think that the luck of Red Bull, well, not so much um, Checo, but. Uh, the, the luck of uh, Verstappen is going to turn bad. It has to turn bad at some point during the season, don't you think? I would, uh, I would think, and I, I also, I'm really surprised looking back that um, that that Max and Red Bull haven't had. Well, Max, I guess Red uh, Checo's had his fair share of reliability issues, but that Max somehow has 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 been. Minus those first two races, really been getting to like run away scot free, and I I feel like that it's it, there's going to be a potential for that to 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 come later in the season. But you don't think that's just uh, Red Bull managing internal resources in favor of Max Verstappen over Czech? Well, no, for sure, like for sure. But that's that's every team does that. Like every team. Whoever the driver is that they think will have the bet have a better chance to have the results always gets upgrades first, always gets priorities first. Like 
in le- and then like and that's unless you're a team like Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, where historically you have the budget that can allow for both cars. But we we saw that recently in in uh, France. You know, it took Albon got upgrades at Williams in in Austria. And it took it. They had to wait all the way till Paul Ricard for Latifi to get the same upgrades because that's just like their factories can't. They can't produce the product fast enough. They can't make the parts, or they don't have the funds at the moment to like buy the the parts and get them to both cars. But for sure, they're doing. Red Bull's doing everything that they can um, to get that second world title with Max. I think like. And I think I think Max is really hungry for it too because he wants to alleviate the asterisks next to his in his world title. Yeah, in that regard, uh, I was speaking to uh, a very, very someone who was very clearly an F one fan <clears throat> and also very British <laughs> yeah. at, at the race. And uh, I said, "Does anyone actually think that Max won the the championship last year?" And he said, "Yeah, Red Bull fans and Dutch fans." <laughs> so I. <laughs> I I don't like Max. I I'm not. I don't. I, well, I don't. I don't say I don't like him. He, but he's undeniable. That's the thing that I think he has going for him. At least for anybody who's like a like. I mean, I'll make the jokes, and I'm definitely more a Lewis fan. And like Max would be very low down my list of people that I would like really root for. I'll say, but the thing that he has going for him, I think that he has the respect. He has my respect. And he has the respect of anybody who, like, setting the the jarring and jabbing aside and, like, just whatever fandom. Like, he outdrove Lewis last season completely. But it it doesn't matter how great of a season you put together if you can't seal the deal. And without that intervention, like, he wouldn't have sealed the deal. And so, like, I do love hearing people refer to Lewis as an eight-time world champion. And because... He really is, too. You know, like, in the same regard that, like, it it sucks for Max that that, that asterisk will be there because he, he won more races, got more poles, led more laps, you know, almost scored, scored more points. Um, that, you know, but, like, it, it sometimes it does just come down to it. So, like, I, I appreciate the jabbing, but, it, I mean, he, I don't, at least he was deserving of it. Like, it would have been even more, like, of an outrage if, like, he hadn't had, like, a fantastic season as well. What do you think, Dad? Well, I, I, I was just here thinking that maybe has, has Max begun his maturity, uh, maturing in Formula One and is getting a better look at the big picture about how to be a recurrent champion and so that may make it very very difficult for anybody to uh, particularly Lewis to come in and and win another race unless there is some reliability issues but don't you think that we've seen a different level of maturity out of Max this year than I would say previous years I would say based on if we're just talking (laughs) because just I just rewatched the ending of Silverstone where he's being petulant Max nearly running Mick off the road when Mick's just trying to score an extra point. Like, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's actually less petty than that. And it's less, it's, it's not maturity. And it's just that it's not Lewis. And it's almost still a dig at Lewis that he's like, oh no, I can, I can be nice. Like I can give people room. I can, because we have not, in all of the, the wheel-to-wheel combat that we've seen between Leclerc and Max, we have not seen anything come remotely close to the, the, the level of, like, I would say lack of respect or, like, animosity that we saw last year. Um, and, and it was, at some points, he was fully behind in the, in the, in the championship. Yeah, I think it's also worth, Max still blows up. Anytime anything goes bad with Max in the race, he throws a temper tantrum True. Over, over the mic. On on uh, during Silverstone, you know he's he he comes out and he's having the arrow problems, but he's like, "Why did you put me on these tires?" Like you don't know, you know, like. But I feel like most 
drivers do that. There's it's a very few drivers that actually trust that like their engineers. Yeah, if anyone should, should be young like that, it should be the Ferrari drivers. For <laughs> yeah, real, you know what's funny? Being live, I'm not sure if the drivers can actually hear the race commenter. Uh, uh, who's on the loudspeaker at the whole track? They, say, I've heard them say in interviews that they hear the crowd. So if they can hear the crowd, well, at one point during his struggles, the the announcer goes, "In Verstappen's nightmare, nightmare day continues," and everyone just roared. And yeah, that's so. I mean, you you kind of have to expect that. You just have to expect. Yeah, of course. There's... Well, 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 you know, there. The other thing I've been reading some articles that. Um, now, whether this is just a bunch of smoke screens from Christian Horner that they, they seem to have approached or are riding on their uh, limits for upgrades. And we may not see a whole lot more upgrades from Red Bull this year. And, you know, there's a lot of races left. Yeah, we're not even in summer break. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, I think that uh, given the resources of Mercedes, uh, and as things start to play out, as far as the aero packages are concerned, Mercedes may come up with something eventually that'll give Lewis that win and continue his streak. I yeah. So, I think the thing that really um, would, would I think would would seal the deal is if that they if if somehow Mercedes can find a way to get their tires to temp during qualifying. Because they they really do have a significant advantage when it comes to to tire dig on race, especially over Ferrari, where like whereas Ferrari is amazing at at getting those tires to fire up to get over a single lap and have amazing quality pace, but that that dig is really hurting them come race t- race pace. It, um, if if somehow that they can actually turn that like be able to turn that on, um. And and you know qualify P two P three P four and then not lose out on a, a bad start or something. I think, and then we have some wheel bumping, some damage. I I really think that Mercedes is going to find a way. Like, I think the th- the thing we know about Lewis, if there is a way, he will find it. Um, because he just doesn't know quit, doesn't know how to not do that. Yeah, and it seems like they're also mm-hmm. dealing with several things, and porpoising was the big one, and they seem to have figured that out, so on to the next problem. Well, but I guess it's also their ride their ride height. Like, even if, or the, like the stiffness of the ride itself to either keep the porpoising at bay or um, whatever, because that's why that there's been all the, the smoother track um, thing, is that everybody's having this, like, really hard ride because of how low they have to run the cars to get the venturis to work the ground effect to work um but mercedes for some for whatever reason seems to just be the hardest of them all um so i don't know what that means for hungary but um i think i think they're they're definitely i mean lewis now has three podiums in a row i know that's spoilers because this is a the silverstone episode but whatever um, he's definitely like they're on the best form that they've been on in a long time. But I also think that that's coming with, you know, reliability and issues from both of the other car or the other top teams. Because when you hear, you know, you, when you actually look at the raw pace, they're still six tenths to a second behind Ferrari and Red Bull. So I think they're going to need something to like to bring that either really good strategy or or accidents or something but i mean if ricardo can win a race <laughs> then uh, hopefully lewis can <laughs> uh uh yeah dad do you have any questions about that maybe we, we that jim you want to ask jim oh um yeah but i, I can't I want to be able to word it properly. My, what I was, what was in the head was, um, you know, Lewis's psych, psychology seems to be markedly improved and uh, kind of regaining his confidence as well is going to be another variable in this because it's pretty tough to think that there's a, anybody tougher mentally than him. Uh, on the race course at any given time. So, uh, 
this is going to be crazy. It's going to be really crazy. I don't think that was a question, but I agree with you completely. Yeah, same. I think no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a question because I, I I have to think of the question in my brain before I ask it. Gotcha. I think I just was one riding the, on the coattails of where Lewis is at. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really helped push Lewis on is how well and consistent Russell's been doing, and like the pressure. Like I think Hamilton is a pressure responding driver. Like you look at his. That's one of the things he's most known for is that when he needs to deliver, he does. Um, and I think that constantly having this young guy doing so well is really like energizing him to be like, oh, God, I got to I got to be better. I, I am better than him, you know, so I have to put the put the results in that prove it. Um, but, yeah, do you have a did you have a favorite moment of the Grand Prix or of the weekend or of the experience? Uh, it's hard. It was hard to top the last 10 laps yeah. of, of that race. Mm-hmm. I think that might be hard yeah. to top. Like, I've been watching Formula One for, God, Dad, how long have we been watching Formula One together since, like, the, mid the mid-2000s? And I I don't yeah. remember. A, there's very few races that I can actually think of that have, like, as exciting of a, of a race finish. Um, and truly, like, 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 dramatic race too like but those closing on battle like did you watch were you big following formula one back before the ground effect cars like last year the year before yeah yeah yeah. because you know like we would never have seen that last year or the year before like you would you were lucky to get two laps following within a tenth within a second of somebody before you had to back off right and so I think that, like, the, it, to that extent, like, these new cars are absolutely brilliant because it does allow for so much more wheel-to-wheel close combat. And, uh, yeah, the only thing I will say about all that that close combat is Perez is really lucky he didn't get a penalty <laughs> for cutting that chicane corner coming through the end there. But Yeah, um, I think uh, overall I would say about this year's race is it's sort of flip-flop, right? So instead of Mercedes, Red Bull, obviously yeah. it's Ferrari, Red Bull. But generally, the competition in the mids is also way, way better. And yeah. I've I've settled into looking for my action in, 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 in that part of the race. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's more competitive there. And I think some of those changes changes that they made to the cars are contributing to that. Minus McLaren. Man, that's, that's, my, that's my overall biggest bummer is that I just want to see McLaren. They were after last year, and they were doing so well. And same with Alfatari, though, too. Like well, Bottas started the season all right. And by the way, he was the one driver we saw entering the track. Oh yeah, and he rode in on a bicycle with, I believe, his girlfriend, yeah, or his fiance. And it was he was just so Tiffany something. It was just so casual, and uh, you could tell that people were waiting for the arrival of the drivers, and everyone. I, I, you sort of anticipate big fanfare, and then yeah. all of a sudden he just rides by on a bicycle. She, she, his his partner is a like she's a professional cyclist. That's like what she does. All right, and and then he he competes. He's a competitive cyclist as well. Like for his age, like he came out here to Colorado and did a ride up in Breckenridge, and like he went into Boxcar. Which wow. for all of you listening who don't know, Boxcar is like a a local Boulder coffee shop. And I was like, I would, I, I would lose my mind if he came into town. Like, <laughs> I would just, I would l- probably like faint or something, and I just give him everything. He, he has a coffee roaster. He's it's a partner al- in a coffee roaster. I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's also, it's also, um, not entirely surprising given the, the size restrictions of these cars and the weight requ- requirements. When, but when you see a Formula One driver in real life. Uh, they're tiny. Yeah, even yeah. so I think it's just like a broader uh, frame than, yeah. than some of his peers is is small. They're t- <laughs> tiny, man. Like I mean, but like they have to because you you think about it every every kilo. I think Lewis said it like a kilo of body weight in an interview. Like if he he's over one kilogram of his weight, it it, it can account for two tenths of a second per lap. Yeah, and then I mean, mass increases the. The G forces yeah. on you. Yeah. So. Um, was there anything that was surprising about going to Silverstone that you weren't expecting, and then experienced, and were like, "Holy cow!" Or, 
Well, sort of what I, one of the things was, and it really piqued my interest about other races is that I think it's, it became clear to me that there's an identity at Silverstone of, of the environment. Mm. And so in my head now I, I have like, Oh, that's sort of like a, in the country, British race. Yeah. And you get the British culture through that regard. And that, and so then it made me think, well, how would that compare to a race in the south of France? And a lot of that is yeah. just cultural differences between the countries, right? But or uh, Singapore, yeah, right I, in I, the I, middle of the, this giant metropolitan. Yeah. yeah, and you sort of like before I went to the race, I thought like every F one race is sort of have the same level of sophistication. Yeah, and I just, I don't I don't I don't know that that's the the, the case. Uh, it makes or I want to go to other races. Yeah, and then. Uh, it was also funny after the race to see the amount of helicopters flying out. Oh, I bet, man. <laughs> like, because, like, we touched on that. We touched on the traffic being horrendous going to and for because there's one road that goes to the circuit. But, um, and another highlight of it that I didn't mention is before the actual GP, the British Air Force, the Red Arrows, did an aerial show. Oh, wow. With full, with it, with, full with an announcer calling out their moves and formations. I've never been to an air show. Yeah. And then here we have the red arrows and that was, that was spectacular. Dad, we got to go. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know, son. <laughs> we're, we're just silly boys. I mean, we really like, now, especially now that we're going to have two races within a, a day's drive of us, uh, coming yeah. next season. We got it. We just yeah. got to go. Uh, um, cuckoo. Any questions? Any other hey. questions? questions you got for Jimbo? Well, I had a, I had a, you know, uh, for Jim, um, how, how do, how are the accommodations and how does the support of feeding all these people that show up at this, this venue with such large crowds and, uh, are the people scattered by hundreds of miles and Uh, come in because. Yeah, I think, um, I probably should have put more thought into that question just to be prepared, but we, I like flying by the seat of my pants yeah. and uh, we were well taken care of sort of think of it, uh, divide the track into North, South, East, even though maybe that's not how it's exactly broken up. And there's uh, massive car parks that expand towards the peripheral away from the track that some of which, allow camping um, if you have an RV and some are just reserved campsites. Very much like if you're going to a music festival is the closest thing that I can compare it to based on my experience. And then if you don't bring your own uh, supplies uh, all around the immediate perimeter of the track are is, is vendor after vendor after vendor um, selling beverages, food products um, much like, um, um, sort of if you went to a large concert event, like sort of food truck setups. Um, and, and everything that you, you essentially needed was accounted there for in that regard. We, traveling internationally, took advantage of a camping package, a glamping package, uh, which they did for the first time this year. And they provided us with, uh, in, in a single large yurt, all our sleeping accommodations that we needed. And then um, it was close enough that we would get the food options from the track. Nice. It also, wow, it also, that really sounds yeah, it came The package came with showers as well. So Nice. Yeah. That's a, was, it, was it warm? Yeah, heated showers. No, no, no. Was that because it was the oh, track yeah. that day? Like, I know it rained for quite The weather was perfect apart from the rain. Yeah. You know, 70, mid-70s at the most Ooh, during the nice. day. Um, and then good sleeping weather at, at night. Good temperature fluctuations. Like yeah, you're, you're out in the country. Yeah. Um, breezy, a lot of spiders. Well, Dad, what was your what was your favorite moment of the, the British Grand Prix? Well, I, I would agree with Jim. Those last 10 laps were just any, uh, any stellar. Any specific moment? No, I just enjoyed the whole thing. I, yeah. I stopped taking notes because it just was so fascinating to yeah. me. And, and, and what was that? Just so, just so enthralling. Like you, I couldn't keep up. Yeah, anyways, yeah. But. Why would I? And and um, uh, it was just a like like you're saying. It's some of the best racing I can ever remember. And you know, it's not the only race this year that we've seen that kind of thing no. going on. And and it's not not even some of my like we haven't even gotten to some of my favorite tracks yet. 
Like, I'm so stoked that we're going to be back at Suzuka for the first time in, in, in a couple of years and Singapore in a couple of years. Like, some of my favorite tracks and, and some of the driver's favorite tracks, too. Um, but, I, I mean, I just have to say my favorite moment just has to be Science getting his first win and, like, getting it in, like, in, like, a commanding kind of, like, taking it, taking control yeah. of the team way, like, um, and, and being very well-deserving of that. I think he's truly on, like, real good form again. Um, and, Schumacher, yeah, and, Schumacher, and Schumacher getting his first points. Really good. And, yeah, and, like, and really yeah. going for it, too, like, against Max at the end. Like, like I said, it was, it was action-packed to the line on all accounts. Um, but, yeah. Uh, last word to you, Dad. Since you joined late, let's. Let, I got, I'm going to have to wrap this up. Unfortunately, as much fun as I'm. Well, having. I was. Uh, I was wondering um, if Jim had uh, commented on just the general attitude of um, the patrons at the race, the the locals. Um, did they have a great sense of pride that that Silverstone is like the place that all started? Uh, were were they pleasant people? Were or did they ride on their laurels and expect uh, had expectations that the visitors might not have of them? That kind of a thing. I I think that um, yes, the local pride was very evident, and we experienced it. We didn't feel like we were at a a race full of people from London. We felt like we were at a race with a bunch of people from England. And, and so you got more country pride than you would just sort of like, like ritzy fanfare. And I told a story earlier about how we, we were a long ways away from where we were staying and someone working in hospitality graciously brought us over to our campsite in, in her personal vehicle. And, um, and we offered, I tried to give her a tip, twenty pound, and she refused it. She says it's all part of the hospitality, and cool. we and like and, and like the FedEx guy asking us if we need a ride. You yeah, know, the, the local, the the most immediate <laughs> environment to the racetrack was beaming with with local pride. And I think that comes across. I mean, even Science said when he when they were saying like that was it, you won, you know, and he's like, I to to win my first race for Ferrari and here, you know, like I I, I, I that I even think that it comes across on television that like it's a it's a like a reverent race for the sport it's like very high um um but that was yeah great i, I, well, I can't well, imagine the, that how how it feels there too well the passion and the appreciation of the place is respected and um and that's just that you just don't see that kind of stuff much anymore yeah and so uh, I was really happy to hear Jim uh, speak of that because it's the sense you get. And it's really what you would hope you would have in, if it was in your own place. So right. I mean, is, shoot, I'd be, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of Texas and I don't even like Texas. <laughs> you know what else is cool? Obviously, the viewership for the sport is much higher in the U.S. I know the, the Formula One series has a lot to do with that. But yeah. we were... We were still an outlier being there. We yeah, were, I bet. I think we only ran into one other group of Americans. Wow. And well, I mean, that's. I mean, it is far away. Yeah. I feel like. Well, I don't know. That's awesome. Well, it's, it's far away, and it's it's probably pretty pricey. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm still. Uh, it, still it, it's something you. So, did. <laughs> that's something to like yeah. dip into the dip into the like accounts for. Like I I I. Would, I'm trying to think of the amount of money I would have traded to be there for that race, though. You know, like that was that was a once in a a life. That's a lifetime memory, though. You know, like and that's why I think like yeah, we just gotta carve it out and make it happen. Like we really, we really just need to go big and go to Spa. You know, Monza, I hear <laughs> Monza would be cool. I just but like me and Dad's favorite track is Spa. Like it's. The track bring your us. rain jacket well yeah. there's there's more there's more to spa than the track there's you know it's it's a place where um you know our ancestors fought in the war and died there and the reverence for the allied um, participation and how it affected the outcome of the war is very high in belgium 
and uh, the museums that commemorate that and the cemeteries that honor the Allies. Um, it, it's more than just Spa. Yeah. It's more than that track. It's, it's, a, it's a whole picture. It's the beauty. It's the, the ring of the engines through those forests. That's got to be the coolest. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's more of a lure uh, than just some asphalt that is being run upon. So, sure. Yeah. How do the cars sound in person? Do they sound better than they sound on TV? I want to ask that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, lo- they hand out earplugs. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, I it's, would. It's I loud. Would. And, um, and it, it just, it, it makes you appreciate the power. Uh, yeah, that, you know, turn your volume up as loud as you want. It just, it's nothing compares yeah. to just yeah. hearing it. Well, do you, do you feel it in your, do you feel it in your gut when they go by? Uh, yeah, certain parts of the track, definitely. Um, and the wind, oh, wow. can you feel like, does the wind, were you close enough to like get any like, wash or like fuel smells or anything yeah or yeah. just like you know like because when you especially when we were like watching him go you know and 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 um when you see him running in the rain you can yeah. actually see how big the the wind or the turbulent air wake uh not our proximity was a little further yeah away, uh, f- f- to experience that yeah but I, i'm sure certain parts of the track every one of those experiences is there well Thanks again, Dad, for joining. Even though you, we, I'm glad we got you oh, in on my this pleasure. even later than we my wanted. Pleasure. And Jim, thanks for thanks for taking the time out to be on the podcast and share that awesome, awesome, super envious of your experience. But I'm so glad that I got to experience it in some way by by secondhand nature, at least. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to going to other races. So yeah, hopefully and hopefully we could all all go into on one together. Get a big like that'd be really fun to get like a big group of of Denver and Colorado people and all go. Um, well, cool. Thanks again. Thanks, Dad. Thanks everybody for listening. Hey. Uh, yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate well, your perspective, Jim. Yeah, we'll uh, we have a. I know I'm behind on a couple episodes. We're gonna try and crank those out as fast as we can. Uh, and get them to you guys um, before we get even further behind. But just keep uh, keep an eye out, and we'll keep getting these episodes out just as soon as we can. Thanks again, everybody. Bye-bye.